This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I talk about the power of reflection quite a bit on the podcast, and I've even done an episode with it. And today we're going to talk to head coach at St. Charles North, Rob Pomazak, as he reflects on his 10 years at St. Charles North as the head coach. So, Rob, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Keith, it's, uh, it's always nice to be back. I appreciate the time that you're giving me to talk a little bit about these last 10 years. Well, you've done a great job. You and I met back in my USA football days, I believe at, at national conference or something like that the first time and got to know you there. I've had you on the podcast before and we'll link Coach Palmazak's previous episodes, which are outstanding in the show notes. So be sure to check those out. But you are, are very detailed in your approach to how you go about building your program. You've called it building a program by design and I think the the approach you've taken is just very sound. You've looked at every aspect of what it takes. So for our listeners who maybe haven't heard the previous episodes, when you talk about program by design, what does that mean to you? Program by design is is really something that came to me just where so often as a leader, we're, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And when you step into into that frying pan as a head coach, you're not really equipped to do the job of a head coach. Even as an assistant, oftentimes you're not really well-equipped to do all the different things a head coach has to do. So just kind of stepping back and, and building, your, building your program like it's a business. You know, there's so many links to running a football program and running a business because you are essentially the head of 200 to 300 people and just kind of trying to systematize all of those different aspects of your program so that you have consistency. And the ability to reflect and look at those key performance indicators so that you're not wasting time and you can keep the ball moving forward in a very clean and intentful way, as opposed to just throwing something against the wall and hoping it sticks. You know, that's kind of where that's where it came from was just a really organizational tool that. I realized that as a football coach, I needed more resources, so I started looking towards the business world. I love that approach to it, and my first jobs out of college were in the business world, and strategic planning was a big part of the company that I worked for, and I I mean, it was constantly on our minds. It was something talked about every week, obviously, planned differently throughout the year, but that approach to it, I think, is very sound. I mean, we are in a a copy and paste society and i could say you know as a younger coach certainly was attracted to ideas of of the guys sharing you know stuff in clinics that had worked for them but i think with anything you really have to be intentional about how does this fit 
for me. And that's part of the, the process of the design. And when you look at it, yeah, throwing something at the wall, seeing if it sticks, it can work at times and it may work for a little while, but ultimately it's a way to lose your job, right? At some point things will break because there isn't a design, just like with you know putting in an offensive system or a defensive system, the way you run your program has to be a system as well. Absolutely. I do agree that at some point, maybe you have to step out of your comfort zone and, and try things out. But the idea of strategic planning is not foreign to most leaders in the business world where you have to have a concept map or map out your eight month or your fiscal plan. And it just seemed to translate so easily to football because as a head football coach, you are in charge of all these multiple different systems and just being able to lay everything out in, in a matter of fact way where you can then kind of edit, modify, remediate, or accelerate different aspects of the plan just made it a lot easier to navigate. Yeah, when when you look at and start to break those down into the different components of how this is going to work within our program, when something breaks, when it's not working, it's a lot easier to pinpoint, here's what we were focused on, here was the plan and strategy and our tactics, this was the result that we want. You can go in and fix that little area and get things moving back the right way. Whereas if, again, you haven't really put the thought behind design, it becomes a little bit more difficult to pinpoint what's going wrong and what needs fixed to, to get everything back on track. No question about that. So what uh, got me on the phone with you again is I was going through and, and saw on your Twitter feed 10 things I learned over the dec- a decade of being a head coach and as I said and started this with I really believe being able to reflect whether it's after a year or after 10 years or after a week reflect on what you just did I would always reflect after every practice what do I need to do better tomorrow what are the notes on on my script here etc it's such an important part of the process and so in your reflection in 10 years you pointed out 10 things that you've learned over the decade of, of being a head coach and what I like about this is I think there's a lot that you're sharing here that I think many coaches go through. So maybe there's a head coach out there who's in his first year or second year. Uh, I think there's a lot you can take away from this. And even if you're a guy in your, your 20th year, I, I think there's something here as well. So I want to go through these point by point and discuss them a little bit. And the first one you bring up is, <laughs> I think this is a great one, especially when you're getting started. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as I was kind of going through this, I didn't put them in any specific order based on levity or seriousness. It just, I was 34 years old. I came into a program. I got this wonderful opportunity to be a head coach at St. Charles North, and I had never been a head coach before. I had just moved into a new house in the area. I was having twins that were due a week before the season started, and you step into this new role, and you, you're trying to do your best. You're trying to do your best as a, as a husband, as a new father, as a new head coach, and you really don't know what you don't know. There are so many things that, as I look back on it now, I kind of cringe as to how I made that transition, both professionally and personally, but nobody really brought you into that. You know, I think as assistant coaches, I was reading, a, I think it was Cody Royal's book, talking uh, Tough Stuff, talking about the role of the assistant coach rarely prepares you for the role of the head coach. And I found that to be a pretty profound statement because you can be the best assistant head coach in the world, but it rarely prepares you for 
the job that you have to do as the leader of a, of a program and trying to learn all those things. And I think at that young age, my ego certainly got in the way because you're trying to make a name, not only for yourself, but for the program you took over. You don't know where your blind spots are. You're kind of just moving forward without any recourse and making decisions that had I only stopped and maybe sought some mentorship or just did a little bit more deep thinking probably could have been more advantageous to the growth of our program than the immediate gains it made. So learning what I didn't know is probably the biggest thing. And, and still now, 10 years in, it's like I have way more questions now than I, I ever have. I just think the older you get, you realize that you know less. And you're constantly trying to learn and bring something better to your program. But I look back at those early years, uh, especially those that first year of that transition, and, you know, kind of wish I could do it all over again because, you know, you make some decisions that are irreparable, and then you still have residual effects from even 10 years later. And so, like, it's interesting. Like, you, you walk into that position thinking you know, and then you're hit with, 10 to 15 to 20 different things throughout the course of a year that really you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. And, and I guess that's the beauty of experience, but it goes back to your point, Keith, of like, like reflection. Like if we don't take time to reflect every day um, and look at how things are going and how we responded to certain aspects, I feel like there's just no way that we can be a better version of ourselves. So you don't know what you don't know. I know it's cliche, but like, man, it, it could not have been truer as a, as a new head coach. When you look at that concept of it, of, of not knowing what you don't know, you, you brought up in there, would your advice to a young coach be to seek out a mentor, to seek out somebody who can help you along the way and be that sounding board? Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely essential. You know, leadership is a lonely place at times, and not always. Like, it's not a woe is me type, type thing, but anybody who's been in a position uh, of leadership can, can tell you that, uh, oftentimes you can't go to the people in your program to get the uh, guidance that you need because you're the one who's supposed to be guiding everybody else. So to have somebody outside of your circle who can kind of look at you at what you're doing from 30,000 feet and maybe who's been there and done that before can ask you the tough questions, keep you in check, make you think a little bit from a different side of the coin, uh, especially as a new coach, because you're really just trying to you're trying to you're trying to get your your thumbprint on that program right away, and you're trying to make sure that everybody knows that there's a, a new sheriff in in town and everything's going to be different. But it's often times where maybe you sit down and have those meetings with a mentor or a conversation, and it just kind of gives you a little bit of of the vision and space that you need. Uh, it's a, the space to think is probably one of the biggest things that I've learned over ten years is is not often making the decision right then and there but kind of taking time to really think it through. And, and maybe that's just maturity or maybe that's just be, being tired from being a coach for 10 years, but it just kind of gave you that patience a little bit. The next thing you pointed out is the last 10% of leadership is up to the leader. And you mentioned here that leadership is a lonely place. And, and I can agree with that. I think back to my first years as a high school head coach, I think it was 32, 33, 34, that, that range. And, you know, you have the people you're close with on the staff, but ultimately there's only so much they can do to help you with some of the decisions you have to make. And that, interestingly enough, uh, something that did help me along that way 
Um, we talked about mentors, but these were more peers. I was able to coach in Ohio's uh, All-Star Game, the North-South All-Star Game, and met two good friends there who still keep contact with today. Didn't know them before. Uh, but Jason Hall, who's now a coach here in Westlake, was at uh, Maslin High School uh, for a while here. And then Matt Duffy, who's at Willoughby South. And, you know, what we found, especially that, that year, uh, all of us had a great year and we're going into another year where we had, you know, a lot to replace. We didn't know what it was going to be like. And we found ourselves calling each other just about every day, checking in, um, being able to bounce ideas off of each other. And, you know, we're not, none of us were, were in the same conference playing each other, et cetera. So, uh, that idea, though, up to that point, it was it was definitely a lonely place. And uh, as you point out, temp, the last ten percent of the leadership is up to the leader. Yeah, I, I think everybody wants to have a collaborative work environment, and you know, head coaches are working tirelessly to bring in their staff into that into that uh, think tank and that decision making process. But ultimately, uh, some of those tougher decisions, you know for lack of a better term, those last 10% um, have to be made by the head coach. And, and oftentimes those are the difficult decisions that, you know, maybe it's a staff change or maybe it's a scheme change or, or maybe it's changing a practice philosophy that, that is going to work better for your family life than, than actually the program because you still have to put your family in front of, of, of the program. And so those tough decisions weigh heavy on you. You know, it's, it's not the, always the low apple of going forward on fourth down or going for it on a two-point conversion or not going for it. And, and those things happen every Friday where you have to put yourself out there and, you know, make that decision because ultimately all eyes are on you. Even when the game plan is sound and you've, you have things in place, when it comes down to making that decision uh, that might cost it, might be a win or a loss, it's going to fall on you. And so you have to be prepared for that. And I think one of the things that I've spent a lot of time on over the last 10 years is, is trying to develop the mental conditioning to make those decisions quickly, soundly, and, and live with the decision that you've made. And, you know, that can be a tough thing because it's not always going to be the right decision. Sometimes it just doesn't turn out well, and you have to be able to handle that. And, and that's something that as head coaches um, doesn't really get talked a lot about. You see it every single day on a, you know, right now during bowl season, you know, you may see it every single game where a call here or a call there kind of tilts the favor in one side or the other. As a as a spectator, you move past it quickly. But as the head coach, man, those things those things certainly weigh on you, and you go home thinking about those. Those are weekend ruiners sometimes, and and other times they're the things that you know you hang your hat on because you made the right call. But it's going to be you who makes them. Ultimately, it's not always going to be the assistant or or that collaborative unit. Your next point is. As the head coach, you have to wear a, a, a lot of hats. Um, we know that to be true. That's true at most levels. You know, small college level, uh, yeah, I was the offensive coordinator, but at one point I was the academic coordinator, I was a recruiting coordinator, a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, you know, all those, all those different things, even as an assistant, uh, that you have to wear a lot of hats, but certainly as a head coach. Well, yeah, I think this goes back to the original statement we talked about about treating your program like it's a business and you know the ceo of uh you know a company is is not is not going to be doing everything but as a head football coach at the high school level for the most part you are going to be having to know how to handle all the different systems whether it's equipment or the technology or recruiting you know your youth outreach plan uh, obviously philanthropy the finances staffing player development parent development all of those things 
have to be have to be dealt with and you have to have a system in place that's going to not monopolize your time because you can't just focus on one aspect while the other aspects are left negligent at least that's my opinion you know if you want to create a program you want to create this holistic program that touches all bases that's consistent and so i think that's one of those things that i'm still learning about like i take my off season to learn about one of my systems like i am not a tech savvy guy it's one of those things that make me sweat. So I spent my off season this year learning about our replay system, learning how to hook it up, learning about how to uh, navigate through some of the problems so that I wasn't just relying on the, the, the assistants who I delegated that system to, because ultimately I have to answer for that system. And so I think it's, it's imperative that there's no job too small for the head coach. You know, I think it's one of those things where we talk about in our program, like being the best fry guy, you know, if you're, if you're working at a fast food joint and they put you on fries, you know, you better make the best fries possible. And then maybe you move up to burgers. And so like, I feel like my journey as a, as a, as a volunteer assistant, then to a paid assistant over 20 years, and then eventually to being a head coach afforded me opportunities to, to have touch points on all those systems. And I think that may be lost a little bit in today's coaching world where you see a lot of, a lot of real young guys coming into head coaching positions without maybe that tactical experience of doing all the different things that a head coach has to do. Definitely. You talk about being the CEO and I think a lot of times we make the mistake and say, well, that's reserved for the, the NFL guys or these guys at the big FBS programs who have, you know, millions of dollars worth of budget. But the, the truth is even at a high school, small program, I mean, you're, you're managing at the minimum six figures of, of your inventory of, your fundraising, et cetera. And, you know, I learned this early on in my career that the success of my team had a big influence on tax levies and, and passing money, you know, levies for money that's going to come into the school district, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they showed me the, the first job is, um, hey, you know, when, when we have a winning season, uh, we, we have a much higher per- percentage of, of passing these levies in November. It's like, wow, that's interesting and no pressure there right but but the fact of the matter is you are <laughs> in charge of you know it could be a small company or a big corporation essentially is is your job as a head coach is to be the ceo of that regardless of what level you're at no i think you touch on something that's a you know being a head coach in football is such a unique position because it's not a big deal but it's a big deal especially within the community uh, oftentimes, you know, like when you touch on the tax levies, I remember when I was interviewing for my position, one of, I did like five interviews and one was with a, a parent group. And one of the parents was, uh, owned a real estate company within the community and talking about the, the, the housing market, and how the housing market improves when the football team does well. And, you know, you're sitting there and, and it, like, you don't even think about those things, but like, it certainly is something that you have to take into consideration. And, you know, if, if you're going to want to, you know, when they name you the head coach, every day that you step in the office, is your, it's your job to make them feel good about the decision they made. And so being able to handle all of these systems, create systems and then create workflows that, that make them all important, I think really reflects well on the decision they made. So to me, it's just one of those things where, yeah, it might be laborious, but it's also a necessity. Like if I lose seven helmets, in the course of a season, I'm out $2,500 at the very least, you know? And so, yes, the equipment has to be important. So I have to have a, 
you know, a QR code on every piece of equipment, or, you know, if we're not branding and marketing our, 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 our program, you know, it, that's going to affect people who want to move into the community, you know? So like all of those things play a huge role into it. And, and that's why I think being a head football coach is such a cool job because, you know, like you walk into this role, again, going back to point one, not knowing the impact it's going to have on you and, and everybody else in the community. But man, it's, it's, it's pretty profound. The next one I think is a really good one. Persistence over resistance, especially if you are the younger new head coach, maybe it's your first head coaching job. There's a lot of people out there who want to tell you uh, what's not going to work. So you do have to be persistent. Yeah. I think this is, you know, this is a quick one. It's just one of those things where, you have to be your biggest champion. The internal monologue that you have, the, the self-talk that you are giving yourself as the head coach, your billboard better be selling yourself to you each and every day because there's going to be moments when it's not going to go well. And, and maybe, maybe I'm the anomaly where that's happened, but it does happen. And you have to be able to keep moving forward regardless of the resistance that you're facing. And that can be from external forces, that can be internal forces. It can even be coming from you as a head coach where maybe you're letting some negativity seep into the way that you're coaching. Uh, you really have to fight like the Dickens to make sure that your persistence in your mission and your vision and your purpose supersedes everything. I think this is, is something that happens with reflection, as we mentioned. The, the evolution of you in your program. I, I really believe that, one, if you set up the systems, and, and again, this could be offense, defense, special teams, off-season, the entire program. You set it up in a way that it's easy to evolve and take a look at all those new ideas out there and say, I like this, here's how it fits with us, and be able to evolve what you're doing. I heard a great quote one time, Art. Are you, do you have 20 years of experience or one year of experience repeated 20 times? It's easy to say, well, this is what we did last year. Let's do it again. But this is very dynamic. So many things go into it uh, from everything happening. You know, you, you look back a, a huge, you know, cultural shift in our society a couple years ago that we all looked at things differently to uh, something as specific as here's the athletes I have and what do we need to run this year. So the evolution of you and your program is another one that you pointed out. Yeah, I, you know, you see it a lot these days where younger coach, like you get started as a head coach at 34 and that's smack in the middle of your developmental years as a husband and, as, and a father. And, and that seems to be more commonplace than maybe when I was playing football, uh, you know, 25, uh, 30 years ago where the coaches were older. And now you, you have to figure out ways to evolve your program as you evolve as, as, a, as a leader, as a husband, a father a mother, whatever it might be. And you have to have the latitude to make the changes that are going to fit where you are at that particular time of your life. Um, and, and it's easy to, it's, I think the scheme is easy to evolve with because there's so much out there and you know your personnel, you know, you know your assistant coaches, you know what's going to work, but what can be more difficult is, you know, going through the ups and downs as you, as you evolve as a, as a person and then trying to make those make those changes to fit uh, your program without it being a, a program detractor or, or or maybe it enhances it. You know, I can think back to post COVID. You know, we played in the spring and then we got right back into another season uh, that fall. 
with us with our summer camp in between so essentially it was you know almost 10 months of, of football nonstop, and it was unbelievably draining to have to kind of have that energy and go through that so as I evolved like I had to make some changes in our workflow and how we were going to do things because my wife had taken a new position that was requiring more of her time and she had sacrificed so much for me as a as a mother and as a wife when I early on when I took the position and so it was time to kind of you know do some things differently so being able to make those changes and having the uh, vision to do it and the courage to do it uh, I think is is everything because it's going to give you longevity in your profession in the long run um, and it's going to make you a little bit happier with yourself uh, and and be a better husband mother whatever it is at home which we have to we have to prioritize I think it's so easy in any leadership position to just get completely engulfed in what you're doing because it is a passion and there is so much reward out of it, but we cannot neglect those, the most important things in our life. Yeah. That that's uh, kind of covering the next point you made about 365, 24 seven. Yeah. You know, we have a a great series. I'll link to it. There's a playlist called uh, the home team, uh, home team series on coaching coordinator, Joel Nellis. And Joel did a great job in that series. I really loved it because he would, sit down with uh, some guys in some big jobs. He had Sean Lewis, who now is with Coach Prime as yeah. the OC at Colorado. Uh, Jim Leonard, who was the, the uh, DC, a teammate of his in DC at uh, Wisconsin. And, you know, these guys talking about how do they do it, right? And, and obviously a very high pressure world they live in, uh, very demanding and finding ways to be able to step out of that role, even, it, even though it is 365 to be able to step out of that role at times and make sure that you are where your feet are, right? That you're focused on and in, in the moment with uh, the things you need to take care of at home, et cetera. It's hand in hand, you know, it really honestly is. I mean, you could like the, being a head coach is definitely all, all year, every day, if you allow it to be. Uh, but if you, you have to have the maturity to be able to set, set limitations uh, and I would even call them limitations, set parameters that you're, that you've made agreements with yourself that you're going to be willing to work within. And that can be one of the hardest things because most of the time the head coach is a very motivated overachiever. They're a grinder mentality. We'll take that for whatever it is, you know, but the idea of there's always something that can be done to improve your program is true, but there is also always something that can be done to improve your relationship with your kids. Re- re- improve your relationship with your wife, improve your relationship with you as a human being, getting to know yourself a little bit. Those are things that are so important that uh, it took me about five years to, to really realize that. And unfortunately, you have to go through some hard times maybe to get to that. So I would love for somebody not to have to go through those times to make those adjustments and, and make sure that, uh, yes, you're always going to be on. You go to the Target, you go to the supermarket, you're going to be head coach, you're pumping gas, you're going to be head coach, be ready to have conversations about it. And yes, there's always stuff that you could be doing, but you have to be able to prioritize and and have some agreements that you've made with yourself that you are going to work within. One of those agreements that I made is I leave my phone in my car when I get home from work. From six o'clock until the kids go to bed, I don't have my phone with me. Um, it stays in my car so I can be present with my kids until I tuck them in and then yes, I'm going to grab my computer and I'm going to I'm going to prep for the next day or reflect on the you know button up the day that I just had. You know, I had to change practice times. We went Thursday mornings because I need to be able to pick up my kids 
because my wife had meetings on Thursdays. We stopped meeting on weekends to game plan and did everything virtually. Just these little things that uh, kind of, as you evolve, you, you still want to do what you do, but you got to be able to realize what, like, you know, there, there's different ways you can do it. And there's ways that may be more advantageous to your holistic life, not just your coaching life. The next part of that that goes along with it is being able to take care of yourself. We're, we're good as coaches in taking care of other people, taking care of our players, our team, you know, all the things that touch our team, our family, etc. And it seems that in our priorities, we'll push off taking care of ourselves. And you've you see it. I've had it happen to me in, in my career where I'd come out of a season and physically my, my health was poor. Uh, I mentioned it on a podcast with Eric Corum and, and related a story of that in one season. I'll link that one in the show notes. And we did another one with uh, uh, she was the uh, yoga instructor for the New York Giants um, with uh, Tom Coughlin there. And, and did a little bit of a, a podcast on taking care of yourself and, and health. Uh, I'll link that as well. But I think that's an important part of it. And you, you made that one of your points, that mental and physical conditioning is essential. Yeah, I think if, for me personally, it would be number one, just because I always believe if you can't, if you're not taking care of yourself, it's very difficult to take care of those that you need to be taking care of. And it's not, I don't think that's an egotistical or egocentric way of thinking. I think it's a way of you have to be able to take care of yourself so that you can give all that you need to give to every single person that you come into contact with as a head coach and as an educator. It is a, it is a transformational role. You know, it's, you have to be able to be there for people. You have to be able to connect with people and that, that can be taxing on you emotionally taxing because you're there through the good and the bad. And it's not just wins and losses. Like you can, every coach will tell you about those conversations they've had at 11 o'clock at night with a kid who, with a kid who's struggling or a coach who's struggling. And then you get into the season and then, you know, the season is just at a whole nother level of, of, of uh, emotional investment, at, at least for me it is. So it was imperative to, to find that space to physically train and then most importantly, like going back to, you know, the evolution of, of who you are is I really found training the mental conditioning part of things. And we all talk about being mentally tough. Well, you know, it occurred to me like, well, what is mental toughness? Like, you know, like how do I get mentally tough? Coming across a really great book by uh, Cover Moad, and it takes what it takes, talking about the different aspects of building mental toughness has been a huge asset and kind of, and kind of working towards those and finding meditation and breathing practices that give you the space that you need to maybe just detach and, and take care of yourself a little bit. And I, I brought that into my program. Like I found so much value in how it made me feel that our program, you know, as a team, we'll meditate once a week together. We'll do vision training uh, on Thursdays and Fridays talking about, you know, how are we going to handle the pressure and pressure is a privilege that we've, that we've taken on, that we've earned, and really kind of flipping that script. Because when you're out there in front of a couple thousand people, you know, that's a, you know, not every profession, you're not really trying to validate yourself in front of everybody um, in the community like you are for head coaching for football. So it's like you have to be able to have that mental condition. And I think it's so essential to take care of yourself because I've been in the same position as you were 
by the end of the season, like you've, you've kind of neglected your sleep, your nutrition, and you come out of it and uh, you're just, you're worse for the wear. And it's, again, it's like, this is not a job that I want to get out of. It's something I want to do for the next 25 years. So it's, if we don't take the time to take care of ourselves, I think we're doing our program a disservice. The next point really has to do with the mental side of things in your approach. And the point is people over players. Yeah, I, I, that's, you know, in our program and is, is always going to be the, is going to be to value the, the person over the player. And I learned that, you know, as I, as I, my first couple of years of coaching, it was very transactional. Again, it just wasn't the maturity level, the ego factor. It was not what I wanted to be as a leader. So I had to sit down and kind of just took everything and threw it all away and decided I wanted to lead more authentically because we were winning and we had success. But at the end of the day, I wasn't really happy with how I was leading and, uh, and how I was, uh, you know, developing. So just really kind of valuing the person and creating a program that was based on experience over wins and losses and trying to provide our kids with everything that's going to make them appreciate these four years of their life. Because 98% of them aren't going on to play college football, but they are 100% of them are going to go on and, and try to become young men and women and contributors to society. And I wanted to make sure that we were developing that person because I know I can develop athletes. I know I can get you in the weight room. I know we can get you stronger, faster. I can teach you our scheme and we're going to do that. Okay. But I wanted to provide them with tools to be able to cope with uh, life as they get older. And that's really kind of made all the difference because it really, you get kids coming back now and just the appreciation they have, or maybe one thing that you taught them, they've taken and expanded on and made it a profession. But it really changed the way our program was run, and it, it really came down to just loving your kids. And uh, I feel like that's gotten us through some really tough games, to be honest with you. Uh, oftentimes, we're not the biggest or fastest team, but we sure as heck care about each other a lot. And um, we, we care, care each other, about each other at a very deep level. And I think that uh, the more you connect, the harder it is to quit. Yeah, that obviously is really what brings value to the work you do in to those people being a part of your program because it's about the experience, not just how many games they want. Of course, you want to win championships. Of course, that's the most fun. But there's so many other things, too, that uh, they can take away from it. And, you know, uh, what people experience essentially is your culture. So you want that to be positive, And the way to do it is just like you said, being able to focus on the people. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's earth-shattering or revolutionary, but it goes back to, being very intentional with the way you're doing it. And it's not over engineering, but there is a certain level of engineering that goes into it to create these opportunities to always keep that in the forefront because you can lose that. You can lose the sight of that, especially during the season. A couple more points here. The, the next one is it will be hard. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, <laughs> the coaching profession in general is hard, but when elevating that to the position of head coach, no matter the level, is, is definitely uh, a difficult task. Yeah, I think what I said in the article, like we've all heard this phrase, like uh, do hard things, and it's great in theory, uh, but oftentimes we see a, you see it every day. Maybe a coach is stepping back because the, the, the job got too difficult to handle and being, you know, all, and all it encompasses, um, whether it's being a husband or a wife at home and then having to coach and teach, but it will be hard, and you have to go into it knowing that. And not, not have, you know, it's not all bad at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's, it's a challenge. It's, it's every day you walk in and you know you're going to be faced 
with a great challenge to impact the, your your program, and and so you have to you have to you have to answer that, and you have to be okay and come to terms with the role that you've been given and the privilege that it is to do something this difficult. And uh, again, like we talked about earlier, you know, on a Friday night, you know, your 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 job is out there, and everybody sees what you're doing, and everybody's going to tell you if you're doing your job right or wrong, and you have to have the mental conditioning to to move past it regardless. And there's times where it's you're on top of the world and there's times where, you know, you 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 lose a tough one and it's like the the air's been sucked out of your lungs. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that I always tell I talk to my wife, I'm like, I think everybody should have to go through a uh being a head coach like for one season because because you learn a lot about yourself. You really honestly do. You really have to kind of step outside yourself and uh kind of appreciate what you're what you're doing because it's not easy and it's it's and it's something that not everybody can do so it's one of those things that yes it's hard but it's also one of those things that make you who you are and I would never trade it in for all the money in the world and to finish up your last point you made here really goes back to what we started this with this idea of of reflecting and reflecting on what you've done and taking an opportunity as the head coach, regardless of the wins or losses here, you say, be proud of yourself. Yeah, I just, I learned this through some of my studies on, you know, uh, on positive self-talk. And there's a lot of great stuff out there, especially in the NFL, about guys pregame and how they talk to themselves and the positivity they're bringing. But so often in the leadership world, we deflect attention. People will tell you you're doing a great job of, you know, you've, you've done this so well and you deflect it. But then there's often times where I think, you know, just taking a moment and really actually being proud of what you what you're doing and the cha- and the challenge that you've taken on. A lot of head coaches leave a position of comfort to go become a head coach, and that changing jobs can be very difficult. Moving into a new community, moving your family into a new community can be extremely difficult. And every day that I step into that into that school, I, I know that I I sacrificed. Uh, I made a huge leap of faith to come into this position, and I'm so fortunate that I was given this position. And I don't want to ever forget that. I, I want to be very. I want to. It's okay to show the vulnerability that this is not an easy job, but at the same time, I want to be able to be proud of what what I'm doing and be proud of the fact that I'm giving my best effort. Like for better or for worse, you know, this is my shot, right? And most head coaches, this is your shot. You're, you're using some of the best years of your life to make a difference. And so it's so easy to, to talk negatively and it's so easy to deflect. But oftentimes when maybe you're sitting at home and you're reflecting, be proud of yourself because there's a lot to be proud of. And no matter if you win one game or win 100 games, there's a lot that you can take away from this role as a head coach. And, you know, those are things that we can't lose. I think the, the final thought you had in the article you wrote was uh, a really good one. And you said, after all these years, I can now appreciate that success is not a linear path. I think that's uh, so important for anybody in this profession to to realize. I see far too many times where guys step away and give up and think, well, I'll just, you know, I'll go do this over here and make some money. But I have so many stories of guys who stuck with it, who have found a way to... um, you know, to, to work through those situations, have the positive self-talk, to, to realize that 
there is not just one straight path that will work out for you in this profession. No, you know, it's again, like you can scroll through social media and you'll probably see a, a graphic of it somewhere, but success is never linear as much as, as much as we all want it to be. It's, it's highs, it's lows. I mean, I can, I can think back to like two years ago, we were four and five and we lost two games in overtime and uh, we lost our week nine game to get into the playoffs against the number one in the team in the state in double overtime where I did not go for two and we, we lost that game. And it was one of those moments where it was like everything inside of you had just been vacuumed out, almost just a vapid space. And then you, I made, I made a, a point of saying, I'm going to use that moment to make sure that we are, we are better and we are more prepared and we are going to, we are going to vindicate that moment at some point during my career here at this school. And then you fast forward to literally a year later, week nine, where we're seven and one and we're playing that same team for the conference championship. And again, it's double overtime. And I use the negative experience or the, the not negative, the experience of, of losing the week the year before. And it was that moment that had built up and, and it was not even a question. And we were able to, to get the two point conversion and win the game. And it was just a great moment from a personal standpoint, just because it's one of those moments where the, the, the dots connect. And I don't think we oftentimes look back at our career and look and see those dots connecting. And when they do connect, man, it's a pretty cool thing because what seems like your lowest moment professionally at that instance, and when you want to give up and you can't do it any longer and you just persevere, boy, oh boy, it could be the catalyst for what changes everything after that. And that's something that is, that's really, really profound. And I think athletics gives you that opportunity. But more importantly, I think putting yourself in a, in a leadership role also does that. Well, to our audience, I definitely want to follow Coach Pomazak on Twitter at Robert Pomazak. That's P-O-M-A-Z-A-K. Uh, he's been sharing his articles a lot of it themed around the idea of building a program by design. He also has some courses on CoachTube. We did include his course on designing a game plan virtually and being able to take advantage of technology and work efficiently. That was included in our first of our defensive coordinator professional development series. I'll link that one in the show notes as well. Definitely want to check out that bundle and that course. Coach, you do such great stuff. I really appreciate that uh, you're sharing this with the coaching community. And as you know, we, we said before we got started, anything I can do to help spread that word and help coaches uh, link to your content, um, because I think it's it's something that can help them as well. Keith, I appreciate what you do for the game and uh, how selfless you are with your time. So thanks for this opportunity. Thank you again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes in the description which has links to all the resources i shared here or you can get them at coachandcoordinator.com follow me on twitter at coach k grabowski